0: Everybody, I'm Armando Torres and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm
1: Paige Wesley.
0: And this is a great episode that we've got for you. It's going to be about poop.
1: Yeah there's a lot of poop <laughs> talk they're, there's they're... not it's not like jilly juice levels of poop no talk, no no but, no, no. You know.
0: absolutely not i want to give a quick little uh, trigger warning up top just because i got fucking uncomfortable if you're afraid of needles it's not that bad i'm gonna warn you now it's not that bad but we do talk about needles in this episode and i got a little uncomfortable for like two seconds so there we go yes. other than that though it's a really fun episode i'm so glad we finally get to do this <laughs> this yeah. is such a fun story
1: Yes, this story is going to be a blast. I can't wait for part two. Part one is super fun. You guys are going to love it.
0: Yeah. But before that, we've got some news and reviews. Bow, bow, bow. Uh, the news is that we have a Patreon still. What? Yeah. You can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast to check out all the awesome tiers and rewards we have there. Uh, we're finally printing more merchandise, so that should be on the way shortly. Um, yeah patreon.com slash cult podcast also if you're looking for a new place to listen to the show can we suggest Rooster Teeth coo cock a doo yeah uh hey yeah rooster teeth great place to watch shows like Camp betrayal last laugh season two which i'm a part of you can go see my nipple we've talked about it in the episode go check that out
1: yep 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 hardcore nip action
0: you can also uh, you can oh, sorry that got me off guard you can also check out a bunch of really fun podcasts like good morning from hell black box down red web also some other stuff that i've been listening to like face jam uh or the most it's a lot of really fun stuff the
1: most is very fun i like the most a lot
0: yeah hell yeah So go check that out. Get the app on your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, your Xbox, your mobile device, or just go to RoosterTeeth.com. And we've got some five-star reviews, something we haven't done in a while.
1: Not because they weren't there. We just kept forgetting about it.
0: Yeah. I also, it's hard to look at reviews for shit. (laughs) I don't like reading things about myself. Um, oh, this one says, do they even know cults? I didn't listen to the podcast because the show description says don't drink the Kool-Aid. Doesn't everyone who follows cults know it was flavoring? Go fuck yourself. That's like the whole point of that. All right? It's fine. It's fine.
1: I didn't listen to it, but I feel qualified to give an opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the entirety of the Internet. Um, this one uh, comes to us from Crypto, the protogen, and they say, so <laughs> did we start a cult about people talking about keep up the good work
1: nice yeah i I mean that wasn't our intention you you are free to go at any time
0: yeah i mean unless you actually want to live you fucking coward you live and you die if you stop listening to cult podcasts, you will die
1: send us your poop send us
0: your poop uh we've got another one this one comes to us from uh bubba man JHDCH. And they say, the spiders won't leave me alone I need a lawyer, a gator lawyer
1: Yikes, but also, we know just the man for the job
0: Yeah, it's our boy Brad Laveau Man, I even thought Mm -hmm. about Brad Laveau in a hot minute I gotta bring that fool back (laughs) Anyway, yeah, thank you for listening to the show before the show And uh, that's enough fucking around, so let's get into the show
1: Hello. Hello Hello
0: Hello, hello, (laughs) where is she? Don't drink.
1: These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley.
0: And I'm Armando Torres.
1: And with us we have...
0: The Lord.
1: Yes, the Holy Spirit.
0: (laughs) That's what I'm always saying. I don't think enough podcasts leave room for Jesus.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sit a Bible width apart. Uh Uh-huh. You know what to do.
0: Yeah, the OG social distancing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You get it? Yeah, we I've been saying this whole time.
0: Oh, how are you, Paige?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I ate half a quiche this morning. Tight. After, like, making the quiche. So, like, yeah. I feel like I'm allowed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're definitely. I don't know why I thought you were going to say I ate half a quiche this morning after making half a quiche. Uh, I guess you, I mean, you can't make half of something because if you make half of it, then you're just making the whole thing. That's right. Yeah, that's how things work.
1: Yeah, I was back in my office yesterday. Nice. And I brought like treats to the office, but then there was hardly anyone in the office.
0: <laughs> I was uh in the office yesterday, uh doing a drunk stream, uh playing WarioWare and nice. boy am I hungover still. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i saw trays of jello shots and i was like oh no
0: oh god yeah so they they gave us jello shots instead of normal shots because we were supposed to the the thought process was is that a jello shot is half of a normal shot um but not when you have Lindsay washburn making them uh because they are just I was full say, you shots can make them
1: as strong yeah. yeah oh yeah,
0: yeah 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 they definitely were and i definitely uh underestimated how long three hours of drinking is when you're constantly getting drunk um
1: yeah well because like how often did you have to take shots
0: well that was the thing right is that i thought in my head i was like oh i'm only gonna have to take a shot like I don't know, every like 30 minutes or something. I'm going to be fine. But That's
1: still six shots.
0: Yeah. Well, the game fucking goes and goes and goes. So you're taking shots like every few minutes and then she had these mini games set up so that if we didn't want to take a shot, we would do the mini game. Uh and you would be surprised at how often the prize for winning the mini game was taking a shot. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So it was a lot. It's also really fun because, you know, we started drinking for that stream at like fucking noon or like 1145 in the morning, um, which means that we like stopped drinking at like 430 ish. Uh, So I was hung over by like 7 p.m um oh yeah because normally when you'd get really drunk you just get to go to bed and then you have to deal with it in the morning but instead i went from drunk to hungover in the nighttime, time uh, mm. and just had to deal with that real fun real fun times um but i got to wake up early and uh shit all of that jello out of my system oh <laughs> no, no and finish up this episode that i'm (laughs) (laughs) really happy to be able to present it's been a long fucking week um yeah
1: you just crap the booze out and you're good
0: yeah you crap the booze out that's i'm pretty sure that's scientifically how it works
1: yeah absolutely
0: absolutely um so Paige, are you ready to get into this wonderful awesome episode
1: I am so ready. I have deliberately not looked at any news stories about the trial. I, I haven't watched anything about it. I have mm-hmm. kept myself pure for this episode. <laughs> I've, kept
0: my, I've kept myself a research virgin for this Completely episode. Completely
1: pure. I've instead <laughs> been looking into the case of that girl from Instagram who went missing on the road trip with her boyfriend. <gasps> I saw I that. Pure. Oh, yeah. my
0: God. So, okay, well, first things first, oftentimes on the show, we will discuss groups and people that you wouldn't normally think of as cults or cult leaders. Like we've talked about uh, the Latin kings. We've talked about the clan and even one very strange MMA coach uh, with questionable practices. And I mean that in both ways, like literally one of his practice routines was chasing people around with a fucking knife
1: right i was gonna say that is questionable practice yeah
0: absolutely but today we've got one that feels a little more obvious uh the world of silicon valley and the many tech startups that exist there have been described as culty and these companies are often led by a visionary or a wild card that claims to be able to revolutionize a field or an industry changing everything forever and over the last four years that we have done this podcast, I cannot tell you how many fucking requests we have gotten from employees to cover places like Google and Facebook for their, like, questionable practices. Obviously, like, as far as I know, no, like, Mark Zuckerberg's not chasing anybody with a knife.
1: No, no, no. That's against his programming. Skynet exactly. wouldn't let him. <laughs> yeah, it's too obvious. It's against one of the laws of robotics. Robotics. <laughs>
0: have Mark Zuckerberg stab a man and he'll kill one of us, but teach a Mark Zuckerberg to take down all of the United States and he'll kill us all. Yes. uh yeah. They have questionable practices and workplace cultures, but those get a bit weird because they're kind of just a job. And I'm not saying that they're not culty and I'm definitely not saying that they're not good places to work or that they're not bad places to work, I guess, because I have heard enough horror stories to prove Both of those places suck, like, a lot. Facebook, Apple, and more were, and still are, led by some oddballs who demand the most out of their employees to accomplish a powerful goal. And because of their success, sometimes it's hard to tell whether it's determination or fear that's keeping people in place, working almost every hour of their life to accomplish that goal. But, what if that goal was a lie? What if the person in charge was a false visionary, someone claiming to be able to change the world while actually pushing people to the brink for nothing? What if every company meeting was a paranoid rant about how it's you versus the world? What if leaving the company could ruin your life forever? That's when a startup starts to sound less like a company and more like a doomsday cult. And there might be no better example of the cult-like mentality of Silicon Valley than the story of Theranos and its leader and CEO, Elizabeth Holmes. Yes! <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: that's a pretty good impression.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I thought that was appropriate. That, yeah. That's more like Batman, like Christopher Nolan's Batman, like. <laughs>
0: where is she
1: but you know yeah
0: <laughs> i know i actually love that a lot where is the blood
1: yeah where is it exactly. where
0: where's the cancer uh where are the kpi reports yeah <laughs> so before we get into it we have a uh, a couple of sources uh we have hbo's the inventor which is a great documentary uh and features the song uh can't touch this by nc hammer way more times than you've heard in the last several years
1: that seems like a plus to me
0: yeah oh yeah yeah definitely the first time you hear it you're like huh damn i forgot how much this song fucking slaps and then by the third time you hear it you're like what the fuck did she love this song jesus christ like did she own the rights to this song because they use it a lot I think of it as a metaphor for dreams. (laughs) You can't touch this.
1: But we must always be striving
0: forward to touch them. Yeah. (laughs) It is Batman. Holy shit. I never put that together. That's really funny. Yeah, because to do an Elizabeth Holmes impression, you have to, like, put your chin into your stomach and just talk like this. Uh, We also have ABC's podcast, Bad Blood. We have the Wall Street Journal's article on Theranos. We have a Business Insider article on Theranos by Avery Hartman, Paige Leskin, and Sarah Jackson. And we also have a Vanity Fair article on Theranos by Nick Bilton. So, Elizabeth Holmes was born on February 3rd, 1984 in Washington, D.C. to a very well-off and very well-connected family. Her mother was a congressional committee staffer, and her father was pretty much a caricature of what you think an eighties businessman looks like.
1: <laughs>
0: briefcase, briefcase, briefcase. Yeah. He's like fucking Patrick Bateman just coming over somebody's business card. Oh my
1: god, yes. I'm shocked to learn that she is as young as she is because she's only three years older than me. She's the same age as my husband.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She's she's a she's a real young, real young person. Um, also it just, again, her fucking dad is, uh, (laughs) it's just like a, a Microsoft clip art of a businessman. That is what, whatever you're picturing in your head, that's exactly who he is. In fact, when Elizabeth was very young, her family relocated to Houston, Texas for her father's new job, a senior vice president position at a little energy company called Enron. Oh yikes. <laughs> yeah. Enron, a business that is arguably more famous for their fraud and bankruptcy than their actual business.
1: I I will admit to you, I did not know that they were an electricity company until right this second. <laughs> I I was today years old when I learned what they did.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. It's it's probably more fair to call them a fraud company than it is to call them an electricity right, right, company. Right. <laughs> Uh, By all accounts, Elizabeth was a brilliant child with what some people called ambition and others called an overactive imagination. For example, when she was seven years old, she decided to build a time machine. And so she filled a notebook... uh, Actually, she filled several notebooks with detailed engineering diagrams that looked great, but if you actually tried to piece them out, it was complete horseshit. It made no sense. Also... Why the fuck does a seven-year-old want to go back in time? What do you gotta fix, huh? That time you got the wrong snack when you went when you were first in snack line? What do you what are you gonna do? Are you gonna go back in time and kill baby Hitler? You're a baby yourself. They're not gonna let you through. I'd
1: go back and save my parents after that opera.
0: <laughs> Actually. Batman. <laughs> Hold on, I just kind of thought about something. I I said that that you could kill you could kill baby Hitler if you were a baby, but if we were going to send somebody in to kill baby Hitler, it should be a baby.
1: Yeah, they'd never suspect it. Yeah, it never. Although, how baby. do we give that baby directions? I mean, it doesn't have object permanence or, or like
0: anything <laughs> like that. I don't know. It's Look, about
1: as effective as sending a cat.
0: Hold on, I gotta I gotta Google. Can you make <laughs> uh baby into a spy
1: i mean isn't that what boss baby is about i mean i guess that'd be spy baby
0: yeah or at least corporate espionage baby yeah uh when when elizabeth was nine she came up with an interesting answer to the question what are you going to be when you grow up elizabeth would proudly proclaim that when she grew up she was going to be a billionaire Which is a really fucking boring answer. When I was nine years old, I told everyone I was going to be a fucking dinosaur. I feel like I'm getting pretty close to being a dinosaur. I mean, I already can't touch my hands behind my back. That's pretty good. And I'm really close to being dead. So that's awesome. There you go. That's most of what dinosaurs do. Absolutely. That
1: and like, you know, chase after Jeff Goldblum on the back of trucks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I already spend a significant amount of time chasing after Jeff Goldblum. Who doesn't? Why won't he love me? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fuck. This took a weird turn. Let's get back to the deep voice lady.
0: Sorry. Yeah, it's just whenever we talk about Jeff Goldblum in love, it uh finds a way yeah so uh as you might be able to guess elizabeth holmes was kind of a fucking dork she forced her younger brother and cousins to play monopoly insisting that they play the game until the end she's that kind of person oh no oh that's not how you play monopoly i don't know if you've ever read the rule book of monopoly but in the rule book it it suggests that you stop playing it after like an hour and just go play video games instead because it fucking sucks
1: In my experience, you only ever play Monopoly until someone gets angry enough to flip the board.
0: (laughs) Well, it's funny that you say that, uh, because Elizabeth was the type of person that if she started losing, she would flip the board and then angrily storm off.
1: That's how you end a Monopoly game.
0: (laughs) One time, she was actually so upset at how the game was going that she ran straight through a screen door, ripping it in the process. (laughs) Like a fucking <laughs> nine-year-old Kool-Aid man.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. That shouldn't be as funny as it is. But that visual is hysterical. Just a little girl taking off like a rocket. Just a cloud of paper money floating <laughs> through the, to the floor. And she's just like barreling through a screen door. Like I've walked through a screen door before. I'm a chubby girl. But like... To, to do a full force man oof my goof
0: oh my god it's, that's one of the funniest fucking things i've ever read in my entire life honestly i read that i didn't even that's not in the documentary and the fact that it's not in the documentary is one of the biggest crimes in journalism ever <laughs> oh that's really funny oh my god In high school, Elizabeth's competitive streak really started to shine. In order to maintain her straight A's and impressive GPA, she'd stay up late and regularly pull all-nighters just to study. Which, come on, dude. It's high school.
1: Also, if you're staying up all night to study and still not understanding what you're learning... It may be time to look into maybe alternative learning styles because that just doesn't seem efficient. Work smarter, not harder.
0: Yeah. what I'm This what, isn't
1: Monopoly.
0: <laughs> exactly. What Paige and I are saying is that if you are staying up all night to study and you're still not retaining it, you should get addicted to Adderall. I mean, that's what happens to a lot of people. Is oh, yeah. that the case here? No, I. Well, actually, you know what? I don't know. Uh, she seems like the type. I. I hate Adderall so much. By the way, just because I can't understand the concept of wanting to do drugs to do school better, that makes no fucking sense to me. I want to get real high and go watch like Jurassic Park and fucking pine after Jeff Goldblum more. All right. I don't want to fucking get high and read a book about like math.
1: I mean, it, it's more that it's like cocaine in that it just allows you to focus and get things done, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, um, I, don't, I don't
0: think that's Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I don't think
1: that's how it gets used a lot. But you know, no, no, no. The, the thinking.
0: I've been around several people who do cocaine and uh, focus and 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 honing in on an idea is technically what they're doing, but it's never a good idea. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Adderall is cocaine, except instead of ideas for businesses, it's like homework assignments. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It's it's fucking lame. I don't like it. In her spare time, she also started taking classes in Mandarin Chinese and computer programming. Instead of going to prom, she even started her own company. I mean... It's real boss bitch shit. I kind of like that.
1: I, at my office, literally yesterday... Did say that if I had it to do over again, I 100% would have taken coding classes. Like, absolutely. Yeah. So I kind of respect the hustle here.
0: Yeah. And if I could have done it over again, I would have taken codeine classes where you learn how to make lean better.
1: <laughs> it's just naps, <laughs> advanced <laughs> naps yeah coding classes.
0: I also oh God, I did I mean, I didn't take coding classes in high school, but I did learn how to code in high school. it It's a useful tool. I mean, that's I, I built like our website and I was able to do little shit like that. and it's it's it is useful because like now everything is becoming drag and drop in terms of like a bunch of coding shit. but if you know how it works or the basics of it, you can figure that shit out. Also, I just wanted to be a hacker real bad because I thought that looked cool on TV.
1: I mean, the Matrix made it look so cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the Matrix made it look awesome. Instead, what real hacking is, is calling people and being like, hey, can I talk to you about your car's extended warranty? <laughs> yeah. So she would, yeah. she would use her extracurricular knowledge to develop software that translated code into Chinese symbols that she would then sell to Chinese universities. That's a real thing that a teenage girl did and made a fuck ton of money which is honestly in with no jokes super impressive
1: that is honestly super impressive i i'm one i i mean i guess because the parts of coding that aren't numbers you would need characters for so that makes sense i was trying to think of like what's the application for that but yeah that makes sense okay
0: yeah she would use uh this impressive resume of hers to get a spot in a summer mandarin program through stanford university in 2002 at the age of 18 elizabeth started attending stanford in order to follow in her family's footsteps not necessarily as a fraudster like her dad that would come much later uh but she meant more in the footsteps of her great great grandfather christian holmes A Danish surgeon and a Sherlock Holmes religious alter ego.
1: (laughs) Um, I will say so. She is only three years older than me. I also applied to Stanford. At the time, it was so competitive to get in; almost nobody got in, and it would cost you fifty-one thousand dollars a semester. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I did not go. Um, my my parents literally were like, "Hey, if you get in, good for you, but we can't afford that. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no way that's happening. Uh, I hope you enjoy that state school." <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Stanford, damn. That means she had amazing grades. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. That's again, I want as much as we're going to fucking dunk on Elizabeth Holmes and as much as she is kind of a dork, because that's the thing. I'm not making fun of her for being smart. If you're smart that's awesome that's not what being a dork is a dork is forcing two younger people to play monopoly so that you could fucking beat them and like drawing fake designs of a time machine and telling everyone that you're going to be a billionaire when you grow up like that stuff is that's dork shit
1: i mean if you're going to be a billionaire and you invent time travel that is like the best way to do it because you could just go back in time and be like Oh, McDonald's is going to be a big thing. Let me buy this stock right
0: now. Hell yeah. Oh, McDonald's is going to be a big thing. So am I because I'm going to eat there every day. Yeah. Get them nugs. Get them <laughs> sweet and
1: sour sauce.
0: Yeah. W- between weed and chicken, if it comes in nug form, I'm all over it, dude.
1: I'm a fan of, I mean, I don't smoke weed, but I'm still a fan of nearly everything that goes by the name nug.
0: Yeah. <laughs> in college, Elizabeth studied chemical engineering and worked as a student researcher and lab assistant. And just like in high school, she excelled, even as a freshman. Towards the end of her first year at Stanford, she was honored as a president scholar and was invited to participate in a research project at the Genome Institute of Singapore. There, she helped to test for severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus, which is a fucking weird cameo, right?
1: <laughs> well, and I i mean, I, I guess we talked about this on Science Faction, not on Cold Podcast. Coronavirus is the name of, for the types of diseases. Yeah,
0: but yeah, yeah, its I think it's like SARS-1, but in my brain, this bitch is out here working with COVID-1, all right? Like, that's awesome to me.
1: Well, to be honest, she... I'm wondering if she's working on what would become swine flu because oh. that's only a couple years away because I caught swine flu in 2009 god damn um and and that was it had been around for a bit so
0: yeah and yeah. unlike covid-19 which is commonly tested for by having a nurse pick your nose for 20 seconds very aggressively <laughs>
1: With a Q tip, though, and you're like, you need more traction. You're not going to get any boogers with that thing. Yeah.
0: Stick a fucking, I don't know, like a fucking pipe cleaner up there. All right. Just like, like a
1: tiny spoon. To yeah. Like, like one of those cocaine
0: spoons. But instead of putting drugs in me, you're taking sickness out of me.
1: I like to think of those as Parmesan cheese spoons. But yes.
0: <laughs> I have to, by the way, for work, I have to get tested every single week. And I go to the same testing facility down the street from my house. Uh, and I know that I have a. Uh, I I know that <laughs> I know that I'm like a gross person now because uh, every time I go, they make me blow my nose before they take the test, because I think one time they were testing me and they got a booger. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I just got big nostrils, man. This shit just kind of like collects in there and then fucking becomes boogers. I don't like the boogers. They just happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I do you think they saw it and were just like, oh, no, that's solid COVID. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's
0: pure concentrated COVID.
1: Yeah, this is
0: 100% uncut COVID. <laughs> <laughs> this is that uncut Colombian COVID, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, now we kind of just pick our nose for 20 seconds. But back in the day, Elizabeth had to collect blood samples with syringes. And that is when she made a horrifying discovery. She is terrified of needles. She's terrified. I
1: mean, there are people that are. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah.
0: I am one of them. She's terrified of using them. She's terrified of having them used on her. And she was terrified of being in the same room with a needle. And I fucking get it. All right. I'm still not fully over my fear of needles. I'm barely able to get tattoos because of how much I fucking hate needles. I just have to think of it as a very sharp Sharpie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I am not bothered by needles. Uh, I have to inject myself every two weeks. So I had to get over any un- discomfort I had pretty fast. But um, it can really mess with people. Like, I didn't consider myself someone who was especially afraid of needles before I started taking the medication I'm on. But then when they were like, hey, uh this medication could save your life but you're gonna have to inject yourself every two weeks i was immediately like but what if i don't though so like even (laughs) as somebody who didn't hate needles i was like die or use needles every two weeks so like it's daunting
0: yeah yeah it's a fucking daunting time i don't i i watched that that show uh well, first of all, I had to watch the documentary for this and they have so many just B-roll shots of people getting either having blood drawn or something or like them putting needles in people. Mm-hmm. and It's just like, no, I can't. I can't watch that. I have to look away. I can watch the 1988 remake of The Blob where they fucking melt a person into a just a... A pool of human being and then make that come to life and like show a child's skull melting that's totally fine but if you just show a needle with a little bit of blood in it i will freak the fuck out but yeah i just i don't know i've seen i watched uh, a master of none season three and uh there's a whole like scene where a woman has to uh, inject herself for, like, in what is it? Like, in vitro fertilization or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, you have to... She has to do the shots or something. I could not do that. There's no fucking way. If they came to me with that same premise, like, you either have to die or prick yourself with a needle every two weeks, death. 100% death. Just kill me now.
1: Well, and the ones I have to do are very, very similar to the ones they do for in vitro because it's, like, in your stomach yeah. and you're doing it there. Um, I also am one of those people who, like... Every time I have blood taken, they're like, You need to let us know if you're going to faint or anything. And I'm like, No, I'm good. And then I just watch them take the blood. And I've freaked out multiple phlebotomists because I think it's really cool looking to see the blood go into the vial. And apparently that is not normal. No. Apparently I am in the strong minority on that
0: one. I don't think you can, t- I don't know if you can tell by <laughs> my body
1: language. Right oh, you, you're uncomfortable <laughs> even thinking about <laughs> yeah, it. Yes. I don't want to. Armando has shrunk away from the microphone like, who do I own this business with? I don't like it. Oh no. <laughs> I really hate it. That's fucking Paige is a secret serial killer. Yeah,
0: that's so fucking psychopath shit. I have to I've had to do blood tests or or give blood where they make you like squeeze the ball, and I can't even do that. If they're taking blood from me, that whole side of my body, that entire half of my body is gone. I have to shut it off so that I can't think about the fact that there's a needle inside of me or near me. Anyway. Yeah, she's fucking terrified of needles. I fucking get it. I get that the most that I've ever gotten anything. But she loved the idea of helping people figure out what was wrong with them and how to fix it. She was also obsessed with figuring out how to avoid traditional blood work. And for one, it's because needles are gross and scary. But for two, blood work can be expensive. And generally, you have to know what you're testing for in order to get that test done. But what if there was a way to monitor your blood and see what needed to be done in real time so that you could cut out both needles and the blood-sucking costs of the American healthcare system. That's when Elizabeth had an epiphany, her billion-dollar idea. In 2003, as a sophomore at Stanford, she approached one of her professors and shared her vision of a needle-free world. She had dreamed up a device that could take a small sample of blood and simultaneously test it for anything and everything under the sun. She called it, quote unquote, democratizing healthcare, which makes a lot of sense because blood work is handled by a surprisingly small number of companies here in the States. And as we've seen before, when you have no competition, you get to set the rules and the prices. So not only would Elizabeth's idea revolutionize healthcare, it would also light a fire under the competition to become more accessible and transparent with their costs and practices. We at Funhouse have been uh, sort of covering the whole McDonald's milkshake ice cream machine debacle, and <laughs> where it's always broken. Yeah. I don't know if you've been following that, but essentially the reasoning behind it is because the company that is in charge of building it has an exclusive contract and they're also the people that are in charge of fixing it. And because they have an exclusive contract and McDonald's can't go through anybody else and they make so much money fixing it, they don't spend any amount of time trying to make the product better. They just make it more complicated so that when it has to be fixed, you have to hire them to come fix it.
1: It's the John Deere problem.
0: Exactly. It's that's that's exactly what she's trying to fight. If there's no one else that you can go to and if that's the only people that can do something, they can set the prices, they can set how it works and they can tell you to just fuck off if you don't like it because where are you going to fucking go? There's like two companies that actually do this work.
1: You could go to Wiener Schnitzel where they have dipped cones or cones that have sprinkles on them. But I mean, that's beside the point.
0: Yeah. But the problem with Wiener Schnitzel is that they use full needles. They have to inject you yeah. at the drive-thru to see if you're allowed to get it.
1: Yeah. Just right into your tongue. Just a needle injecting <laughs> flavor.
0: I'm so fucking uncomfortable right now. Um, unfortunately that's the vaccine passport you need to go to flavor town oh yeah oh my god the only i was so happy when i got the vaccine because uh when you do it when you get the covid vaccine i i'm trying to explain this like nobody anybody listening hasn't gotten it i hope that you've all gotten the vaccine if you are physically able to get the vaccine because if not fuck you and i hate your face anyway We're just
1: tired of all of our friends getting sick and us being sick yeah. and not getting to do cool
0: shit. Uh, yeah. Let me say in the clearest of terms, if you're listening to this show and you can get the vaccine and you have access to the vaccine and you have chosen to not get the vaccine, go fuck yourself. I hate you. Anyway, um, when you get the vaccine, I had I had to drive through, get the vaccine. And I was so worried because I felt so weak and shitty after getting the shot in my arm because I was like, oh, fuck, I hate needles. I'm so worried. I hate this. But then they make you sit in your car for 15 minutes so that they can make sure that you're not having, like, any immediate adverse side effects. And I was so thankful because I just got to sit for 15 minutes and, like, recuperate from having a needle in my arm. (laughs) Um, I'm
1: glad you had a good A good experience with that one because when I got My first vaccine they were Like are you scared of needles I was like Nah I could put this thing in if you want (laughs) And they were like no Uh, So they gave me it and then I had to sit there For an extra like on top of the 25 minutes I had to sit an extra 20 Because of the medication I'm on They like monitor you for a little longer And the woman in the car In front of me had an adverse Reaction (gasps) She's okay. Like, it was very minor. It was, it was uh, like a rash, basically. But essentially, they like went up to her car, examined her, and then came running to my car and are like, Are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine, I think. And they were like, Okay, you could go home. And I was like, Are you sure though? (laughs) Like, Oh no, but I was fine. I had, no, I had no issue. Yeah.
0: I, I hated it the most because, uh, I, well, the part I hated the most, I guess I should say, is they brought out a needle, and they're going to use it, and then they looked at my fat fucking arm, and they went, uh-uh. And they, a lady yelled over my car at a nurse and went, we're going to need the grande, and they brought over a bigger <laughs> needle. <laughs> they have a bigger needle that they bring out if they if they don't think that they're going to be able to penetrate your fucking skin
1: oh that's funny yeah wow well i mean at least it wasn't the supreme
0: (laughs) yeah at least i didn't get the fucking or the venti Venti, yeah (laughs) yeah so uh, Elizabeth uh, uh, brought her idea to one of her professors, saying that it would revolutionize healthcare. Unfortunately, the professor that she approached, Phyllis Gardner, told her, quote, I don't think your idea is going to work. Uh, and it wasn't about politics. It wasn't about the status quo. It wasn't even about marketing. According to Phyllis, a professor of medicine, a board member of several successful startups, and the former dean of students at the Stanford School of Medicine, Elizabeth's idea was not physically possible. The idea of being able to get a small amount of blood and test it for multiple things was not within the realm of reality. It could not be done. In fact, almost everyone that Elizabeth talked to from the Stanford School of Medicine told her the same exact thing. And what Elizabeth was describing sounds great on paper, but it could never actually work in practice. So she switched gears. She approached her advisor and the dean at the Stanford School of Engineering, Channing Robertson. Channing wasn't a doctor or an expert in medicine. He was an engineer. And in engineering, there seems to be a thought process that people are told that things are impossible until you go out and prove everybody wrong.
1: That That is a thing. Um, when I have worked with uh, a lot of the like product and engineering department at work, that is always the mindset of, yes, we're saying this is impossible now, but they're, like life finds a way. It is the Jeff Goldblum way of thinking of like, impossible is only impossible until we do it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it it
0: completely does. And, and that's, that's what I think is so funny. And that's actually going to come up again and again throughout this story. So against the advice of his coworkers at Stanford, Channing Robertson decided to back Elizabeth and her wild idea. And now there's two ways to view this type of behavior. Maybe more. I don't know. I'm not a fucking psychologist. I just did a bunch of research for this episode. Um, on one hand, you could view Elizabeth's search for a partner as tenacity and determination in a world where people are constantly being told, no, she decided that her revolutionary idea was worth fighting for. What if she was the Steve jobs of medicine instead of having blood work be some big expensive thing everyone's afraid of. She could put the power to diagnose yourself inside every home in America, maybe even the world. Although, on the other hand, what if this is just a more nuanced version of getting upset when a game of Monopoly doesn't go your way?
1: She's throwing the table across campus to the engineering department. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Several experts told Elizabeth that her dream was not unlikely, but physically impossible. So she kept searching until she found somebody that agreed with her, which is just like... It's like the people who say, like, I did my own research. You're not. You just yeah. have your idea, and you're finding... You just keep searching until you find the one piece of information that says that you agree with it. Like somebody who says that they don't want to take the vaccine, and if it's fucking you, I fucking hate you! Turn off the podcast! It's not for you! <laughs> uh, I I think of it... <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Damn. Yeah, I'm sorry. Strong energy today. <laughs> uh,
1: I think of it like... The first people she talked about her idea with told her that it would not pass go and she could not collect $200. (laughs) And then she goes out looking for that chance card that's going to get her out of jail and make her into a bajillionaire.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, so there's a chance that she metaphorically ran away from the game and started a very long version of crashing through a screen door.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, ran out of the game at the medical department and threw the screen door into the engineering <laughs> department.
0: Yeah. And still, instead of looking like a tiny Kool-Aid man this time, she was heading for one of the most publicized fuck-ups of our time. In 2003, with the support of her family and Channing Robertson, Elizabeth dropped out of Stanford and used her tuition money to seed her first startup, Real Time Cures. The company operated out of a basement of a college house and was run by a small number of people. Also, just a little fun fact for you, because of a typo on the company's like uh, uh, initial paperwork, The company's first official name was actually Real Time Curses.
1: See, I thought it was going to be Real Tim Cures, and I was like, that'd be (laughs) hilarious. Be like, where's Tim? Who's Tim? Is Tim going to cure me? But Curses is pretty great as well. Yeah, it's just
0: like a great piece of foreshadowing from the universe. Just like a, mm, oh, you got to love it when you see it.
1: Yeah, I mean, she is doing blood magic, so... (laughs)
0: Oh my God, this whole thing is.
1: Yeah, this whole thing is kind of an inganga of bad ideas, so <laughs> real-time curses is kind of apt.
0: Oh my God, that's perfect. Most of Elizabeth's crew were engineers who believed that her dream wasn't physically impossible. That's because she had come up with one hell of a line to get them on board. Yes, testing for everything with a small prick of blood was impossible, but only because... Our current technology wouldn't allow it to work. Real Time Cure's business model was based around not the testing, but rather building a new proprietary piece of technology that would allow a small sample of blood taken from a finger prick to detect medical conditions ranging from fucking high cholesterol to fucking cancer. You know, she was just going to be able to tell you everything. And that got every nerd with a dream of building something awesome hot and bothered. They all wanted in.
1: They all wanted front row real estate on Park Place. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. They
1: Not realizing that they were in trouble, the board game trouble.
0: <laughs> oh, Paige, that one was bad and I'm not Thank you. I I don't know. I feel like we should say sorry. The board game's sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shoot. And ladders. <laughs> God damn. Oh, well, there's only one thing to say to that. Settlers of Catan.
1: Fuck. Fuck. I fucked it up. <laughs> anyway, so she's going to continue with her operation.
0: Oh, yeah. Solid. Yeah, but it's all going to fall down like a Jenga tower. Um,. Yeah, she it's it's honestly a fucking ingenious line to do that where she's saying, like, yes, it is physically impossible, but only because we don't have the technology. And that's why I need you to help me build it. It's fucking brilliant. It's now it's not impossible. It just hasn't been done yet. That's such an ingenious way to look at it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's how a lot of like. Platform enhancements and technological enhancements are framed as people try to make them uh, is basically this is only impossible because we haven't figured it out yet.
0: Absolutely. This is when Elizabeth started honing in on her actual strong suit. Maybe she didn't know exactly how to make the thing work, but she didn't have to. She was a visionary. In fact, her entire persona at this point was modeled after one of the most prominent visionaries of our time. Steve Jobs, the chairman, co founder, and CEO of Apple. Steve Jobs was an undeniable genius. I mean, I would say that he was about as smart as he was good at being a complete and utter asshole to anyone who had the misfortune of being close with him in his life.
1: So I have heard, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He's a fucking piece of shit. But despite his clear genius and reputation, he wasn't an inventor. Depending on who you ask, Steve Jobs' greatest contribution to technology was product design philosophy, which meant prioritizing user experience over tech. He seemed to be less worried about doing something technically amazing as he was with putting the product into every set of hands that he possibly could. He didn't invent the computer, he just remarketed it. And that's what Elizabeth Holmes was trying to do too. She didn't invent blood work, she was just trying to put it into the hands of the people. As far as she was concerned, she didn't need to know how everything worked. She only needed to think about the big picture. Other people would be there to hammer out the details.
1: To be honest, Steve Jobs' philosophy influences a lot of product and marketing design moving forward. Yeah. Where it, it becomes about user usability and user experience and user interface design becomes one of the cornerstones of product design in a way that it had never been before yeah i
0: mean that's why i mean as much as i fucking hate like mac and iphones and shit like that they are the most user like friendly things i've ever used in my life you can pick up a a fucking toddler can pick up an ipad and learn how to use it in like two seconds you know it's so user friendly Mm -hmm. it's insane The actual, in fact, all of the, like, uh, what would we call, like, the arguments for using, like, Android or... Uh, Linux or, like, any of the other fucking, like, actually, quote-unquote, superior pieces of technology is, like, um, well, actually, it's, like, way better and, like, way faster. And it's, like, yeah, but it fucking looks like ass and I don't know how to use it. And and
1: it's confusing and I can't immediately figure it out. I mean, that that is the benefit of... I, I am an Apple slash iPhone user, mm-hmm. have been for a long time, but that means that every time I get a new phone, I have no... There's no learning curve for me with that new phone. exactly. I I pick up new phone. I can use new phone immediately. Yeah. Even if there's new design or new user interface components, I am already prepared for how they tend to do that, if that makes sense. It does.
0: And while I was researching for this episode, one of the interesting things that I found that uh, I, I think that other companies are starting to do this maybe more, but Apple was, I think, the first to do this. Normally with tech industry stuff, the people who have the last say on how things work are like the engineers and the people who like actually built the product and like want it to work well and go forward at Apple, the product designers and like the people who are in charge of how it looks those are the people who get the final say and the last pass on everything. So everything from the ground up is thought about, like, how is this going to feel when it's physically in a consumer's hand versus, like, how well is it going to work or whatever, or how impressive it is, whatever.
1: I'll take it one step further. For the software platform for the software platform I work on, things go through multiple teams. Uh, they do go through engineering at one point where we have, like, an initial design and engineering is like, here's what we could do. And then we end up with final design mock-ups. Then they build to those mock-ups. And then one of the final steps is rolling it out to a test case of customers. Mm -hmm. And based on what those customers say and how we watch them use whatever we built, we'll then go back to design. And then design does like a final iteration where if we go back and we're like, they keep missing this button. They don't see it's there. Now that button gets changed. So the end user... ...is now your final say, which is crazy, but yeah. That's
0: fucking, that's wild. Yep. Yeah, Steve's influence was clear in Elizabeth, even outside of her mentality and business practices. Around the time she founded her company, she began wearing black turtlenecks and kept a simple, clean wardrobe. And as a side note, Elizabeth does this thing a lot that I like to call origin story gaslighting, where she makes a decision. And instead of just, like, embracing it as a new change, she tries to work it into her backstory. Like, as soon as she started dressing like Steve Jobs, people were like, damn, you going for that Steve Jobs look, huh? And she would just, like, make this weird face and go, <laughs> um, actually, my mother dressed me in black turtleneck since I was seven. What? Yeah. She would just do that all the time. Anything. What a weird flex. Yeah. (laughs) Just claim it's Somebody
1: else. Just be like, no, Audrey Hepburn, because people have been wearing black turtlenecks forever. Yeah.
0: Fucking spies look awesome as shit. All right. (laughs) Like, just go with that. Also, what the fuck? I can't. If I saw a seven year old in a black turtleneck, I. Oh, my God. Baby spy. Oh, my God. She might have been a baby spy. She might have been training to kill Hitler. It all comes full circle
1: it does all come full circle what do you think baby steve jobs wore
0: oh black diapers definitely
1: yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> black turtleneck diapers so the top of the diaper was like under his baby nips
1: yep mm-hmm. <laughs> also i like that that's the turtleneck of diapers yeah, it just goes just a really high waistline <laughs>
0: really, yeah high-waisted shorts they're just turtleneck jeans yep oh my god i'm a fucking idiot um another clear example (laughs) by the way of of her uh what did i call it uh origin story gaslighting is elizabeth holmes's signature voice for those of you yes yes (laughs) for those of you that somehow have not heard her speak she sounds like buffalo bill from silence of the lambs (laughs) would you use my software platform (laughs) no i would you fund me I'd fund me. I'd fund me. I'd fund me hard. I'd fund me so hard. <laughs> so supposedly oh. around the time that Theranos and Elizabeth were rebranding, she started speaking with a baritone voice. Although she claims that she had always talked like she had 12 frogs stuck in her throat. That's that's what she says that her voice has always sounded like.
1: Uh, I'm a big turkey check person. <laughs> um. Yeah.
0: Although Mm -hmm. according to former employees and insiders, the voice is put on and she's been known to drop it from time to time, especially after having too much to drink.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny to have somebody just be like, yeah, if we look at the projections to like pop yeah I, have, I like
0: to imagine that it like it hits a line too where she's like okay so everyone we're gonna do this shot yeah like just immediately that's what i want
1: yep yep uh
0: and while it seems odd and honestly kind of stupid there is actually a good reason as to why she chose to do this the world of business especially the tech industry is dominated almost entirely by men Uh, experts theorize that her decision was an effort to seem quote unquote more commanding so that she could fit in better, which I fucking get not the more commanding part necessarily, but like the needing to fit in that shit makes so much fucking sense to me. You just have
1: to. Yeah, absolutely. I work at a tech company that's about 60% women, Mm -hmm. which is very unusual. Yeah, it's almost unheard of. But even... (laughs) <laughs> is almost unheard of. Uh, it's been great. Uh, but even in that, I have had discussions with like my boss or people above me that have been like, when you speak to people, you need to do it this way f- to get your point across. Yeah. Because here's who you are talking to. And I have made changes to the way that I speak at work in response to that yeah like specifically yeah
0: it's uh it's uh it's called code switching right where it's like i i I do it too where uh i i have a, a way of speaking that's like around my friends that's very normal and fine and then i have a way of speaking around people that are higher ups at companies or people that are important where I, I don't i'm not just like hey what's up doc i'm like hey nice to meet you uh my name is armando torres uh you know it's yeah it's just a thing that happens if you're basically if you don't present as a a, a straight white guy if you're not like you you have different, yeah, yeah so you have to everyone is constantly trying to adjust to that fucking level which is stupid
1: and we all have podcast voice we have podcast voice
0: oh absolutely I, I don't actually sound like this in real life. In real life, I sound like this.
1: Yeah. Would you, would you pod me? <laughs> I'd pod me so hard. I'd,
0: I'd fucking pod the shit out of me. Uh, um, and as her startup began to grow and her role as the visionary began to take shape, Elizabeth decided it was time to rebrand and expand. I mean, sure, real-time cures told you everything that you need to know about the company. But is it what Steve Jobs would do? fuck no
1: steve jobs it's not nearly sexy no. enough.
0: steve jobs called his computer company apple and hired ridley scott to make a cyberpunk ass commercial based on george that orwell's 1984
1: so fucking badass though oh yeah that commercial's so
0: good It's fucking amazing the name of the game was image and simplicity so she renamed her company to theranos a portmanteau of the words therapy and diagnose she also commissioned an artist to design her a new logo that was very Apple. The word Theranos was printed in a clean, simple font, all lowercase, with a green dot in place of the O. She even used a gradient similar to Apple's older designs.
1: Interesting. I mean, that's very analrapist of
0: her. <laughs> um, shouts out to David Cross.
1: Yeah, shouts out to Tobias Funke, uh, preeminent analropist um wow i mean she's really going after that steve jobs vibe but i understand it i mean the i cracks me up the whole um lowercase thing that's like a tech thing now where like i have sat through meetings of like what font what case and you're just like God, do people care this much? And it's like, yeah, it makes that much of a difference. You wouldn't think it would, but it, it fucking does. It's nuts. Yeah,
0: it's a huge fucking thing. I also, yeah, there's there's a whole like debate to be had about like the oversimplification of every fucking logo in the industry now where it's like yeah. tech, it started in tech, but now it's going like, they simplified the Pringles man. He didn't need to be simplified. He was a face with a mustache and now he's just like a fucking circle. It's, uh, it doesn't matter. Sorry, sorry, sorry sorry i have this r.i.p pringles i have the same energy about the pringles man that apparently i do about covid vaccines and that's something i need to talk with my therapist about
1: i have not paid attention to pringles recently and i guess i should have uh instead we're paying attention to all the potato chips at aldi because they have their own flavors and so like they have like a Fritos flavor, but it's street corn flavored.
0: Oh, my God. And
1: it fucking slaps. And then we just got ones that are Nashville hot chicken flavored potato chips. And
0: they're amazing. is fucking awesome. Do you, do you like Aldi's?
1: I love Aldi's. Aldi's
0: nuts. <laughs> fucking
1: got him. Boom. Who are you? Nicki Minaj's <laughs> cousin's friend? Scrap.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I actually am I've been hiding it for years everyone knows about my huge nuts but they don't know that I'm friends with Nicki Minaj's cousin (laughs) man
1: I'm sorry about your called off
0: wedding (laughs) yeah I just needed to tailor my my trousers more get get in a little more room I'm
1: sorry I'm sorry that Trinidad's minister of health had to go on tv to debunk your story about your (laughs) balls.
0: Oh, my God. That whole fucking story is so goddamn stupid.
1: <laughs> I love it so much.
0: My, my favorite part is when Nicki Minaj tweeted about, like, uh, yeah, they invited me to go to the White House. And I'm going to bring up a lot of, like, really good points. And I'm doing this for all of us. And then somebody asked the White House. And they were like, No. <sighs> We do this for everybody. If you have any questions, we will call you with a doctor from the White House and they will explain what's happening. We're not going to bring Nicki Minaj to the goddamn White House.
1: Medical knowledge is stored in the (laughs)
0: vault. That's why I'm so smart. Oh, my God. After the redesigns and name changes, Elizabeth decided that it was time to kick things up a notch by finding some investors. They were going to build a never-before-seen piece of tech, and they were going to need a lot of startup capital. Luckily, she came from a very well-off and very well-connected family, so that part was She easy. would have
1: had to, to pay for Stanford. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Elizabeth reached out to family friends, including a few startup founders, owners of a venture capitalist firm, and other generic rich white guys to fund her dream. Altogether, she raised over seven hundred million dollars to get Theranos up and running the way she wanted it to.
1: That is nuts. That's so much money. Yeah,
0: it's fuck it's huge nuts. It's Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend's amount of nuts
1: yeah 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 like giant full of covid nuts (laughs) like if you squeezed it someone would just jizz covid out essentially creating a covid super dick weapon and as
0: we've covered in this episode concentrated covid is just boogers so they're just coming boogies yeah Yeah, but pure uncut boogies (laughs) does this mean i could call my dick a snot rocket
1: now You absolutely can And I just want you to think of what this means As an implication for the movie Boogie Nights Go ahead (laughs)
0: Oh my god. Most of these investors had a bit of trust in Elizabeth already because of their connection to her personally, but almost all of them claimed that their connection wasn't the reason that they decided to back her and Theranos. She was driven, and to somebody with no idea how medicine works, her dream sounded like a possibility. However, her investors had to agree to one condition. Theranos would never reveal to them how their technology worked. AND she would have the final say over everything to do with the company. And while this seems like a huge red flag in hindsight, at the time, it made sense because whatever that technology was would forever change the landscape of medicine, and they didn't want anyone else to figure that out. One of the first things that Theranos spent its massive amount of money on was a huge new office that felt more like a compound than your average workplace. The building was covered in floor to ceiling windows meant to ironically represent transparency. And within these, <laughs> and within these clear walls, Elizabeth started growing an army of employees determined to bring her dream into the real world. She had engineers, med students, basically anyone that she thought couldn't be an asset to her cause was hired and put to work immediately. And while all of these employees admired their boss, They had to admit that she was the kind of superior who demanded excellence and the most out of her crew. She never took vacations, which is another thing that Steve Jobs did, and she expected the same from her workers. She wanted them to work until 8pm and would have dinners catered so that her employees could stay longer. And after years of hard work and long nights, things were finally starting to pay off. The missing link in Elizabeth's plan to diagnose the world using a single drop of blood was a piece of proprietary technology that could make it work. All of her naysayers claimed that it couldn't be done, but Elizabeth argued that it was only because the method hadn't been invented. But from the labs of Theranos rose a new piece of tech capable of doing what she dreamed of. They called it the Edison. And after it was unveiled to the world, people were clamoring to get their hands on it. New investors wanted in. News outlets wanted coverage. Clients wanted it in their stores nationwide. But there was only one small issue. It didn't actually work. <laughs> because... Oh no! Because the reality is that Elizabeth Holmes's dream wasn't physically possible. But the only thing no one was expecting were the lengths at which she would go to keep the lie alive and that is where we'll pick up next week with the thrilling conclusion of our series on theranos elizabeth holmes and the cult of silicon valley nice yeah oh my god fucking this story is so frustrating and also just so fucking hilarious i'm also just glad to cover us another story where nobody dies
1: yeah yeah especially because then in the next series a lot of people are gonna die and get oh yeah
0: oh yeah a lot of people are gonna die this is this is me taking this is my little like warm-up lap like taking stretches and shit before we get to that bad boy
1: yeah i mean enough people are gonna die and get hurt in the next one that we had to be like who can we have as a guest that will still talk to us after (laughs) and will keep us from being sad and i think we have a great one i'm excited yeah
0: yeah yeah i'm really really excited to have her on and i'm really excited to get to that to that story but before that we will be finishing our our mini series on theranos and uh hopefully i'll have a little bit more news uh vis-a-vis the trial and goings on there um i just found out she had a baby
1: yeah yeah like recently yeah, like
0: last fucking month recently which is fucking yeah. crazy that's that's just wild this this whole story though is just absolutely wild and i i i'm so glad i got to sink my teeth into it you told me uh because i was looking for something and you go what about that uh startup lady with the deep ass voice and i was like what are you <laughs> and that was what i exactly texted what, I was like, what are you talking about and then i watched one video and she was like welcome to theranos and i was like oh shit hell yeah more of this <laughs> i don't care what it is more of it <laughs>
1: Uh, well i'm excited i'm excited to hear next week and it's gonna be great yeah
0: and uh hey if you're out there and you want to help support us and what we do um be a venture capitalist support our new business uh (laughs) our new business called the snot rocket we're turning dicks into weaponized covid weapons and uh we're sending them to space that's right we're gonna infect the aliens
1: I mean, that's, that's great that that's what you're going to back as your project.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I am, am going to go with, uh, the idea that any food can be identified with one nug of poo.
0: Oh my God. That's awesome. You take a picture of your shit and the app tells you what you ate.
1: Yeah. 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 And it's like Taco Bell again. What are you thinking?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could do that, but it could also be like, if I'm thinking practically, we could use that on pets. And like if your pet is sick you take a picture of the poop and then the thing is like this is what they ate and then you know what's wrong.
1: Yeah, and you know what? It's only impossible until we invent the technology to make it exactly. happen.
0: Exactly. And all we need is 700 million fucking dollars. It's yep. insane yep.
1: amount of yep. money. And and Anthony Fauci's piss.
0: We're still fucking waiting on it, Tony. Still waiting for that piss, Tony. Tony F. <laughs> Tony Fouch there's something so disrespectful, disrespectful about calling Anthony Fauci Tony. It feels wrong. It feels illegal.
1: Tony Fauch in the Frontline Docs, yeah, <laughs> sounds like a cool band name. Yeah,
0: I would definitely listen to them at a anti-mask rally. Apparently, oh my god. Uh, hey, if you actually want to support us, consider going to patreoncom slash Uh We've got rewards on the way. Shirts are on our way, to, on their way to the printers right now. It's been a Fucking hassle, but we are finally getting those made. And uh, the orders that are coming in from September, I believe, are going to be uh, put in with this order, I think. I got to check on that, but making sure that that's all well and good. So, yeah, we're finally able to make stuff again, which feels awesome. Patreon.com slash cult podcast. Go check it out. Uh, if you want to listen to the show somewhere else, can we suggest rooster tea?
1: Cockadoodle doodle Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's a great
0: place. Rooster Teeth—they've got a bunch of awesome shows like uh <laughs> *Camp Betrayal* and *Last Laugh* season two, uh where you can see my actual nipple. Yeah, if you want to go,
1: yes, that's true. You—if you want to see Armando's nipple, you
0: got to be a first member. Not anymore, baby. They put it up on oh, YouTube. Oh no, it's out for everybody. They put it up on <laughs> fucking YouTube. My fucking nipples are on YouTube, and I've had people that uh. I used to work with go, uh, "Hey, man." um, I know this is really I saw your weird. Nipple on YouTube. Yeah, I know this is weird. I know we haven't talked in a bit, but uh, I just want to say, like, um, nice nips, dude. <laughs> I just really.
1: <laughs> I do know that I texted you the first because I am a first yeah. member, and so I texted you the first day, and I was like, "Hey, yo, your nip made that first episode. I knew it did,
0: I knew it did too. I knew it happened because that's the other thing is like that bit happens." I want to say 30 minutes into the actual gameplay like in in, within the episode I think it's within the first like 10-15 minutes or whatever but when we got into that room first 30 minutes I put my nipple out I covered it in milk I had two different people lick the milk off oh man and I asked for that footage and now
1: it's a fetish that you can't control Yeah, yeah
0: yeah it's just part of my life now I'm constantly asking people to lick milk off my titty anyway You You can also listen to our show. You can go to roosterteeth.com or you can download the Rooster Teeth app on your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, your Xbox, your fucking mobile device. Get it anywhere and listen to our podcast and a bunch of other great shows as well. Um, Excuse me. I was really gross and I'm sorry. If you want to find me on social media, you can. I'm very easy to find. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff. At Mondo does stuff. M-A-N-D-O does stuff. I'm also part of house Come check us out. We've got some really cool shit coming up. We just did a drunk stream. That's going to go up soon. Um, and There's a bunch of other fun stuff there, too. Uh, spoiler alert. Paige is coming into the office sometime soon to film something with us, too. I don't know when it'll come out, but it'll definitely come out. Yeah. And that's going to be a lot of fun there, too. Thank you so much. I love you. Goodbye
1: if you want to send me photos of either your pets turds or your turds for my research and development for my new project and
0: don't tell us which one it is yeah, and let
1: us guess uh you can send those to at page wesley on twitter or at rampage wesley on instagrams or tiktok if you take a tiktok of your shit i don't even know if they let me do that <laughs> But if you do, I want to see it. Yeah.
0: I mean, they let me post TikToks of me on acid doing stand-up. I feel like if you let me be on drugs, you have to let somebody post their own shit. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. If you want to follow our show, you can on Instagram at Podcast
1: Or on Twitter at Show.
0: You can also send us an email to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com.
1: Or if you want to send us... No, don't send us your shit. <laughs> We've don't.
0: asked for it before. No one's done it.
1: We've asked for it before and no one's done it. You fucking you coward. Fucking send coward. us your shit. Send us that shit. And send us Tony Fauci's piss. Do it. Uh, You could send that to 3756 West Avenue 40 Sweet K number 237.
0: Like, like The Shining. The
1: Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I think for this one, I'm going to say don't drink too much or else you'll lose your deep voice Uh, but also don't drink the kool-aid bye